I'm Russell, and this is Social Skills Coaching, brought to you by Newton Media Group and Patrick King. Stick around and learn how to be more likable, more charismatic, and more productive. Today is December 27th, 2022. Joe Navarro is widely recognized as an expert on body language and reading facial expressions. Today, from Patrick King's book, How to Extract Info, Secrets, and Truth, we take some tips from Joe Navarro on reading body language. Body Talk Body language, for instance, may be just as powerful a language to learn to read and comprehend as facial expressions. After all, the face is simply a part of the body. Why focus on just one part when people's postures and general movements can speak just as eloquently? Ex-FBI agent Joe Navarro is generally considered an authority in this field and has used his experience to teach others about the wealth of information people share without ever opening their mouths, i.e. what he calls nonverbal communication. Originally from Cuba and having to learn English after moving to the U.S. when he was eight years old, Navarro quickly came to appreciate how the human body was a kind of billboard that advertised what a person was thinking. During his career, he spoke at length about learning to spot people's tells, those little movements that suggest that someone is uncomfortable, hostile, relaxed, or fearful. As with facial expressions, these tells may hint at deceit or lies, but primarily indicate that someone is uncomfortable or that there is a discrepancy between what's felt and what's expressed. Armed with an understanding of how body language works, we can not only open up new channels on which to communicate with others, but pay attention to our own bodies and the messages we may be unwittingly sending to others. Firstly, it's important to understand that nonverbal communication is inbuilt, biological, and the result of evolution. Our emotional responses to certain things are lightning fast, and they happen spontaneously, whether we want them to or not. Importantly, they express themselves physically in the way we hold and move our bodies in space, potentially resulting in the transmission of thousands of nonverbal messages. It's the more primitive, emotional, and perhaps honest part of our brain, the limbic brain, that's responsible for these automatic responses. While the prefrontal cortex, the more intellectual and abstract part, is a little removed from the body and more under conscious control. It's also the part that's capable of lying. But even though a person can say one thing, their bodies will always speak the truth. If you can tune into the gestures, movements, postures, patterns of touching, and even the clothing a person wears, you give yourself a more direct channel into what they really think and feel. Navarro claims that the majority of communication is nonverbal anyway, meaning you're actively missing out on the bulk of the message by not considering body language. Consider that communication started out non-verbally. In our earliest histories, before the development of language, humankind most likely communicated by gestures, simple sounds, and facial expressions. In fact, from the moment a baby is born, it instinctively makes faces to communicate that it's cold, hungry, or frightened. We never need to be taught how to read basic gestures or understand tones of voice. This is because non-verbal communication was our first communication, and may still be our preferred form. 
Think of all the ways you already take nonverbal communication for granted in the way you show love or demonstrate your anger. Even if you aren't aware of it, we're all still processing vast amounts of information on nonverbal channels. Learn how to read this information, and you can determine if someone is trying to deceive you or perhaps if someone is trying to conceal their feelings and true intentions from you. You've probably heard of the fight-or-flight response before, but there's a third possibility, freeze. What's more, these responses to danger may be quite subtle, but nevertheless they speak to discomfort and fear. Our ancestors might have shown fight-or-flight when running from predators or enemy tribes, but those instincts might have followed us into the boardroom or classroom. The limbic brain is again responsible for these fear responses. Someone who's asked a difficult question or put on the spot may look like a deer caught in the headlights. They may lock their legs around a chair and stay fixed tight in that position. This is the freeze response. Another possibility is physically moving the body away from what is perceived as threatening. A person may put an object on their lap or position their limbs toward the exit, the flight response. Finally, a person may fight. This aggressive response to fear can show itself in picking arguments, verbally sparring, or adopting threatening gestures. In fact, the more competent you become at reading nonverbal signals, the more you may come to appreciate how fundamentally physical they are and how much they speak to our shared evolutionary history. In the past, we might have literally fended off an attack with certain gestures or indeed set out to attack another with very obvious movements and expressions. These days, our world is very abstract, and the things that threaten us are more verbal and conceptual. But the old machinery for expression, fear, aggression, curiosity, etc. is all still there, only perhaps expressed a little more subtly. Let's consider what are called pacifying behaviors. These can offer a key insight into someone who's feeling stressed, unsure, or threatened. Essentially, a pacifying behavior is what it sounds like. The unconscious attempt to self-soothe in the face of some perceived threat. When we feel stressed, our limbic brain may compel us to make little gestures designed to calm us. Touching the forehead, rubbing the neck, Fiddling with hair or wringing the hands are all behaviors intended to soothe stress. The neck is a vulnerable area of the body, but one that is relatively exposed. Consider how aggressive people go for the jugular, and you understand how the throat and neck can be unconsciously felt to be an open area for fatal attack. It makes sense, then, that someone unconsciously covering or stroking this area is expressing their struggle, emotional discomfort, or insecurity. Men may use this gesture more often than women. Men may fidget with their ties or squeeze the top of the neck, while women may put the fingers to the suprasternal notch, the indent between the collarbones, or play nervously with a necklace. Pay attention to this behavior and you'll notice how it reveals someone's fears and insecurities in real time. Someone might say something a little aggressive, and another person responds by leaning back slightly, crossing the arms, and putting one hand up to the throat. Notice this in real time, and you can infer that this particular statement has aroused some fear and uncertainty. Similarly, rubbing or touching the forehead or temples 
can signal emotional distress or overwhelm. A quick tap with the fingers may reveal a momentary feeling of stress, whereas a prolonged cradling of the head in both hands can spell extreme distress. In fact, you can consider any cradling, stroking, or rubbing movement as the physical clue of a person's need to self-pacify. This could mean touching cheeks when the person feels nervous or frightened, rubbing or licking the lips, massaging the earlobes, or running the fingers through the hair or beard. Pacifying behaviors are not just things like stroking or rubbing, though. Puffing out the cheeks and exhaling loudly is also a gesture that releases considerable stress. Have you ever noticed how many people will do this after hearing bad news or narrowly escaping an accident? An unexpected stress release response is yawning. Rather than indicating boredom, the body's sudden attempt to draw in more oxygen during stressful times is even seen in other animals. Leg cleansing is another, and it entails wiping down the legs, as though to wash them or brush off dust. This can be missed if it's hidden under a table, but if you can notice it, it's a strong indication of an attempt to self-soothe during stressful moments. Ventilating is another behavior you may not pay much attention to. Notice someone pulling their shirt collar away from their neck or tossing the hair away from the shoulders as though to cool off they're likely experiencing discomfort or tension. Though this might be literally because of an uncomfortable environment, it's more likely a response to inner tension and stress that needs cooling off. One of the most obvious forms of pacifying behavior looks exactly like what a mother might do to a young child to soothe them, cradling and hugging one's own body or rubbing the shoulders as though to ward off a chill all suggest a person who feels under threat, worried, or overwhelmed. These gestures are an unconscious way to protect the body. This is an important underlying principle across all of body language theory, that limbs and gestures may signal unconscious attempts to protect and defend the body. When you consider that the torso contains all the body's vital organs— you can understand why the limbic brain has reflex responses to shield this area when threats are perceived, even emotional threats. Someone who is highly unresponsive to a request or who feels attacked or criticized may cross their arms as if to say, back off. Raising the arms to the chest during an argument is a classic blocking gesture, almost as if the words being exchanged were literally thrown, causing an unconscious reflex to fend them off. On a similar note, slumping loose arms can indicate defeat, disappointment, or despair. It's as though the body is physically broadcasting the non-physical sentiment of, I can't do this. I don't know what to do. I give up. Let's take it further. Imagine someone standing over a desk, arms spread wide. Aren't you immediately reminded of an animal claiming territory? Wide, expansive gestures signal confidence assertiveness, and even dominance. If a person is standing with arms akimbo, they leave their torso exposed. This is a powerful way to communicate that they are confident in taking up room and don't feel threatened or unsure in the least. Other gestures of confidence and assertiveness include that favorite of politicians and businessmen the world over, hand steepling. The fingertips are pressed together so they form a little steeple. 
It's the classic negotiating gesture, signaling confidence, poise, and certainty about your power and position, as though the hands were merely resting and calmly contemplating their next move. On the other hand, pun intended, wringing and rubbing the hands is more likely to demonstrate a lack of feeling and control or doubt in one's own abilities. Again, this is a pacifying gesture designed to release tension. Hands are our tools to effect change in the world and bring about our actions. When we fidget, wring our hands, or clench our fists, we're demonstrating a lack of ease and confidence in our abilities or find it difficult to act confidently. What about the legs? These are often overlooked since they might be concealed under a desk, but legs and feet are powerful indicators too. Happy feet can bounce and jiggle. On the other hand, Bouncy legs paired with nervous or pacifying gestures may indicate an excess of nervous tension and energy or impatience. Or too much coffee, you decide. Toes that point upward can be thought of as smiling feet and indicate positive, optimistic feelings. Physiologically, our legs and feet are all about, unsurprisingly, movement. Busy feet could suggest an unexpressed desire to get moving either literally or figuratively. It's also been said that feet point in the direction they unconsciously wish to go. Both toes turned toward the conversation partner can signal, I'm here with you. I'm present in this conversation. Whereas feet angled toward an exit could be a clue that the person really would prefer to leave. Other clues that someone is wanting to move, leave, or escape are gestures like clasping the knees, rocking up and down on the balls of the feet, or standing with a bit of a bounce in the step. All of these subtly communicate someone whose unconscious mind has fired up the engines and wants to get going. This could mean they're excited about possibilities and want to get started as soon as possible, or they may have a strong dislike for the current situation and almost literally want to run away. Again, context matters. Legs and feet can also reveal negative emotions. Crossing the legs, as with the arms, can signal a desire to close off or protect the body from a perceived threat or discomfort. Crossed legs are often tilted toward a person we like and trust and away from someone we don't. This is because the legs can be used as a barrier, either warding off or welcoming in someone's presence. Women may dangle shoes off the tips of the toes in flirtatious movements, slipping a shoe on and off the heel again. Without getting too Freudian about it, the display of feet and legs can indicate comfort and even intimacy with someone. On the other hand, locking the feet and ankles can be part of a freeze response when someone really doesn't like a situation or person. So, having discussed the face, hands, legs, and feet, and torso in general, what else is there? Turns out, a lot more. The body as a whole can be positioned in space in certain ways, held in certain postures, or brought further or closer to other people. The next time you meet someone new, lean in to shake their hand, and then watch what they do with their entire body. If they stand their ground and stay where they are, they're demonstrating comfort with the situation, you, and themselves. Taking a step back or turning the entire torso and feet to the side suggests that you may have gotten too close for their comfort. They may even take a step closer, 
signaling that they're happy with the contact and may even escalate it further. The general principle is pretty obvious. Bodies expand when they're comfortable, happy, or dominant. They contract when unhappy, fearful, or threatened. Bodies move toward what they like and away from what they don't like. Leaning toward a person can show agreement, comfort, flirtation, ease, and interest. Likewise, crossing the arms, turning away, leaning back, and using tightly crossed legs as a barrier show a person's unconscious attempt to get away from or protect themselves from something unwanted. Those people who spread out on public transport, they feel relaxed, secure, and confident. Annoying, isn't it? Those that seem to bundle themselves as tightly as possible may instead signal low confidence and assertiveness, as though they were always trying to take up less room. Similarly, puffing up the chest and holding out the arms in an aggressive posture communicates, look how big I am, in an argument, whereas raising the shoulders and turtling in on oneself is nonverbally saying, please don't hurt me, look how small I am. We're not much like gorillas in the forest, beating our chests during heated arguments, but if you look closely, you may still see faint clues to this more primal behavior anyway. Those postures that take up room and expand are all associated with dominance, assertiveness, and authority. Hands on the hips, hands held regally behind the back, doesn't it make you think of royalty or a dignified soldier who is unafraid of attack? or even arms laced behind the neck as one leans back in a chair, all signify comfort and dominance. When you're becoming aware of people's body language, ask in the first instance whether their actions, gestures, and postures are constricting or expanding. Is the face open or closed? Are the hands and arms spread wide and held loose and far from the body, or are the limbs kept close and tense? Is the facial expression you're looking at pulled tight or loose and open? Is the chin held high, sign of confidence, or tucked in, sign of uncertainty? Imagine you have no words at all to describe what you're looking at. Just observe. Is the body in front of you relaxed and comfortable in space? Or is there some tightness, tension, and unease in the way the limbs are held? A lot of the art of body language is once pointed out, rather intuitive. This is because each of us is actually already fluent in its interpretation. It's merely allowing ourselves to de-emphasize the verbal for a moment to take notice of the wealth of non-verbal information that's always flowing between people. None of it is really concealed. Rather, it's a question of opening up to data coming in on a channel we're not taught to pay attention to. If you enjoyed today's episode of Social Skills Coaching, we would appreciate a review or a rating on whatever platform you found this episode. Thanks for joining us today, and remember to join us again next year, which is next Tuesday, for another episode from Social Skills Coaching.